Hello, and welcome to the Diary of an Age Grouper podcast. My name is Jamie Edwards, and I'm a full-time professional endurance coach, age group triathlete, and triathlon fan. The Diary of an Age Grouper podcast is all about content relevant to age groupers. We'll talk to athletes, coaches, and experts who walk the walk. On this episode of the Diary of an Age Grouper, we talk to Donald Brooks. Donald is an eight-time world and eight-time European champion with a 70.3 best of three hours and 56 minutes. In this chat, we speak to him about a very impressive last few months of training and racing. He's the current Ironman, 70.3, Olympic and super sprint distance world champion in the 45 to 49 age group. We chat about managing training for multiple distances at once, as well as work and family commitments, weekly training structure, and his tips for high performance as an amateur athlete. This is the Diary of an Age Grouper. Donald, thanks for joining us and welcome to the podcast. Hello, thanks for having me. Now, you've been busy the last few months. For those who don't know, can you tell us what you've been up to? Oh, the, um, the last month, um, or particularly four weeks, has been extremely busy for me. It is the tail end of my season and what I've been planning for for about a year now, but I did four world championships in four weeks in three countries um starting in finland moving on to france and then finishing in spain over all the distances from super sprint to the lion yes so very busy and very interesting um so you're obviously talking about 70.3 world championships in lati finland then the ironman world championships in nice france and then over to spain for the super sprint World Championships, and then finishing with the Standard Distance World Championships. Tell us how they went as a general theme. Um, they went, well, I, I got four world titles, so they all went very well, but that wasn't without their own challenges at each event, really. Um, Latte went very well. I, I, it's one of my stronger distances. I train a lot for a... Um, middle distance um, or half distance Ironman because it's a little bit easier to fit the training in for an event of about four hours in time period. So um, that went well for me. Um, and I won my age group by about 11 or 12 minutes there. Um, and I think I picked up 14th quickest time of the day, but it's very difficult to compare times exactly because the waves were started it was a um, you started in your age group wave and mine was the last one to start so it was a very busy course and um it pretty much started to rain as soon as i got onto the bike and it got quite cold as well and i don't race as well in the cold but um i got through the bike unscathed and managed to put in a decent run on that one um and then we um even between each of these as well there was two weeks between each one um i traveled home went back to work worked for a week and then traveled out again um the next one was out in nice um in france for the ironman world championships and as most of your listeners probably know it's the first time it's been held outside the states and really mainly away from hawaii apart from the central race and 
So it's a bit of a test for Ironman, I think, to see how well a world championship field would compete on the Nice course. And I must say, I really enjoyed the race. I think Nice delivered it. Um, it's a spectacular location. Um, it's just the crowds were huge. And because it was so easy to get to, there was a lot of triathlon fans that had flown in just to watch the race, I think. And there was pop-up things happening everywhere. Canyon had taken over the local Brewdog pub. Um, the expo had quite a bit going on. Um, and just to throw it in the mix, um, the Rugby World Cup was starting and some of the games were held in Nice. So there was a big rugby fan zone. So it was a very busy area at the time. So, um, yeah, the race went well. Um, the swim, I come from a swimming background, so I enjoyed the swim. Yeah, really enjoyed the swim, but it was non-wetsuit. So um, wore a swim skin for that. Um, but again, started last wave of the day, which it makes it very difficult. Um, I'm not a fan of that format. I'm, I much prefer the normal Ironman format where you self-seed on your swim ability and you will find that the faster athletes will put themselves nearer the front of the race anyway. Um, but by starting right at the back, I think the first three hours of my race was just continually overtaking people. And it's, I, I think this makes it quite, not really dangerous, but it makes it unpleasant for the competitors and um, being overtaken all the time and the ones having to overtake because there's such a speed difference. Um, so you're swimming through across people, um, just trying to pick your way through the other hundreds of athletes. Um, and the same on the bike. I, I literally, where the funnel comes out of the water onto the carpet up the shingle, I had to queue to get out of the water. It was that busy when they um, started everyone. And then you're trying to pick your way through transition, which is very difficult. Um, but no, the bike was the bike was challenging. With um, it went up. There was well, there was three main climbs on the bike. The first one comes after seven k um, of riding flat. And, it's about a thousand feet climb, so three hundred ish meters up to a small plateau, and that sort of spreads people out a little bit. Um, and then you wind through; it's got some quite fast parts, um, but still a busy course. And then you hit the main climb of the day, which goes up um, about a thousand meters, three thousand feet, and um, it's a sit down, um, get to your target power, and keep pushing, which um, I quite enjoyed. I'm I'm quite good at that. It's, it was more like um sitting on the turbo I found it and um, that brought you up to quite high elevation um, and then went around a big plateau at the top but even though on the map it looked like it was fairly flat I think that was because of the scale of the um, elevation profile it was it never felt like there was any flat up there it was always rolling um, and there was a small out and back section that they added into the course in addition to the standard Ironman Nice um, route, just to make it the 180k, because I think Ironman Nice is a little bit short. And then you come back and there's, you think you're just about to start descending back down to Nice, and then they put another climb in that's about 10k long and goes up another 1,000 um, feet, 300 metres. So, yeah, just when you think you're there, it's like, oh, there's another longer, long climb. Um, and then there's a there's a long descent then, which um, we had been told very clearly, do not cross over the centre line. So you had to take the descendant a little bit careful not to cross over the centre line because um, there was a lot of um, noise about this from Lionel Sanders' disqualification 
two weeks previous in um, Latin Finland. So I tried to just keep pushing as hard as I could down the hills. Um, a couple of people came past me, so I tried to use those to descend mainly on road bikes. Um, the road bikes were definitely descending quicker than the TT bikes. And I'd use those to try and um, help me pick lines. And when somebody's up ahead, you can see what's coming a little bit easier and helps um, you read the road better. Um, came back down, came off the bike, and um, I was first back in my age group into transition. I got time split of 2 minutes 40. I was thinking, oh, that's not much for um, for a marathon to go. And it was up around about 29, 30 degrees now. And the marathon's up and down the promenade that on Glay with very little shade and um yeah it's just grueling but um i came out of transition and ironically jan fedino came round on his second lap so um it was just amazing just to run next to him for a small amount of time when the crowds were all there and yes it was um it was a real highlight of the race that um but i managed to get another two two and a half minutes on the guy in transition so I came out of transition with a five minute lead then um extended this out in the first half of the marathon to about 10 minutes but ironic not ironically um the the person that there was a the person that eventually came second to me came into transition about 10 minutes down on me and he maintained this for the first half of the marathon we both went through half marathon at about 129 within 10 seconds of each other but then i started to slow down a little bit um, that's probably because of the um my run training. I haven't trained specifically for the marathon distance, so my run pace started to slow, whereas his started to increase, and he started to reel me in on the second half. Um, and he actually ran a negative split. He ran one twenty seven for the second half, and I ran one thirty four. Um, but it was it was getting close, and. I managed to get a time split from a friend with two and a half K to go that it was less than a minute. So somehow I managed to pick my pace up to about four minutes per kilometre and um, come over the line with just taking the win by 17 seconds in a time of nine hours, 25. So very small margin for uh, a long race. Yeah, definitely getting tight by the end there. And then two weeks later over to Spain, um, just tell us quickly about that because it's slightly different distance. It's not the sprint, it's a super sprint. And then I think two days later, you said, into the standard distance. So just uh, give us a brief overview of those two races. Yeah, so the um, again, two weeks later after Nice, um, went out to Pontevedra in Spain, which is um, Javier Gomez's hometown. So I think that's why they have the race there. And it was the, it was the, <clears throat> what they used to be called the grand final by World Triathlon. So they have the triathlon series dotted around the world, and this is the final stop where they um, have the elite racing crowned world champion on a points basis. And um, they also have the age group race associated with that. So again, it's a qualification um, process. You have to do some qualification races to represent your country. So each home nation will have their own qualification process for this race. Um, so you have to you have to qualify for this the previous year. So. I'd managed to qualify to race in the super sprint distance and the standard distance of this race. And the super sprint, which consisted of 300 meter swim, six kilometer bike, and a 1.6k run, was on the Friday. And I didn't get there till the Thursday afternoon. So 
turned up Thursday afternoon, registered, then saw all your kit out, and then it was a Friday afternoon race, um, and it was a rolling format. So we started in within a group. I think it was forty to fifty-five year olds. Um, we started in a group in pairs and um, two people in water every 10 seconds. So it was very difficult to know exactly where you were within the race. Um, but no, it was just the complete opposite end to the Ironman. It was like short, sharp, red line um, racing all the way. So yeah, I managed to have a good, I had a good swim, a good bike and a good run on that one. And um, I had fastest in my age group across all the disciplines and transitions. So um, yeah, I took the win on that one, which was, um, a goal of mine and one but because it's so short the, the margins are so tight and transitions play a huge part of that and when I got to my bike I actually missed it in transition because I had left my helmet on the floor because it doesn't balance very well on my handlebars and one of the um, marshals had actually picked my helmet up and put it on my handlebars but up the right way so it didn't look like I was expecting it to look so I ran straight past my bike realized i'd gone past it come back and yeah it took it took time out of me in transition so much so that the guy that i'd started with who was wearing non-wetsuit i wore a wetsuit um and i took 25 seconds out of him in the swim and he normally swims about the same speed as me so that's the sort of difference a wetsuit can make even over 300 meters he caught me up in transition because of the um um the confusion around the bike but um, yeah, it's just take it in stride, carry on, and um, managed to come through. Took the win in my age group for about thirty seconds on that. Um, and then it was there was all the other racing going on, so the para triathletes were racing the, the under twenty threes and the elites was all over the weekend, so it was a real buzz around the town and um, lots going on all the time. Um, and it came down to. Sunday, well, Saturday night rack for a Sunday morning standard distance race. And um, it's sort of like the standard distance is my strongest distance. It's where I seem to perform best. It, the distance I prefer, so got me two hours of racing. And um, it was, the transition was full. It was the, it was the main age group race of the weekend. And it was this time, it was a wave start. So my whole age group started together from the pontoon in water but um yeah it was quite interesting because it was a river swim and it was tidal it was right on the coast so and the tide was flowing so you had to really pick where you swam and i walked up and down the river in the previous days or two just trying to see where the strongest tides were but on race day it was very difficult to pick where you were because of the position of the boys but i knew keeping in closer to the bank seemed to have the less flow so um, that's what I did, and it paid off. I I swam well, exited the water in first position, held that throughout the um the rest of the bike. But the bike was challenging. You had a loop to do in town, which had a lot of twists and turns and speed bumps, which is never ideal on the time trial bike. And then you got onto this um dual carriageway highway type road, and it just rode out of town for about I don't know, probably about eight k. But that whole eight k was a slow gradual uphill slog so you it had a it was it had a lot of climbing on it around a cone at the top and then a very fast descent which um was quite tricky with the amount of athletes on the course um you couldn't just get your head down and go full ball um there was people 
there was people to avoid and dodge or shout at. So, um, yeah, it would have been nice to have a bit more clear road, but um, that's the nature of age group racing. They do put a lot of people on the course in a short period of time. Um, off the bike and onto the run, um, and I've been carrying a bit of an injury from Nice that had sort of flared up about two days after Nice, and um, my lower right shin was sore and um yeah this sort of it didn't bother me too much but it was a four lap route um around the twisty streets of Pontevedra and the, the organizers did quite well they didn't just put you on a boring road up and out of town and back they they run you through the town center town city center um and it's very historic old town old twisty streets with cobbles and that but running in vapor flies on that sort of surface and that um it sort of overloads your ankles or especially on mine because um coming from a swimming background i have very flexible ankle joints and um my physio has said to me that um yeah when i'm running in the race shoes the vapor flies my my ankles are on overload because they've compensated for it and that coupled with the twists and turns and cobbles of the road type of calls um it, it just aspirated this injury that I picked up and um, it just got more and more and more painful. And by the time I got to halfway around the third lap, it was really painful. And um, I was thinking, well, oh, this might actually make me pull out the race. But I was getting time splits from somebody on the course, a friend, and I'd been take, extended my lead to, and I got it up to about five and a half minutes in my age group. So I thought I can slow down a bit and keep going. So I slowed down a a bit and and by the fourth lap I was really limping then so I'd slowed down quite a bit by this point um but I managed to get around I um won my age group and surprisingly to my um surprise yeah I won the overall age group race with the fastest time of day across all age groups um I think that just goes to show that um it's my favorite distance it's the one I really trained for and it's just nice to show that on the big stage but it has later turned out that I've got a stress fracture and um, I'm currently in a boot and immobilized. So it's, um, yes, it wasn't, it wasn't just in my head. It was, um, yeah, I've got a stress fracture from, I expect overuse and running a lot and racing in um, Vaporfly shoes. But yeah, very pleased to take the win. Surprised to get the overall win, but nice to show my strength on the big stage and um, four world titles. It was a very successful month, but now, the off season has started early and a bit of enforced rest. Yeah, well definitely a busy four weeks there. And um yeah, you're gonna be forced to have some rest now, which is yeah, maybe a blessing in disguise for down the track. So quick question. If you if the race had been in Kona, if the Ironman World Champs had been in Kona, would you have still done all four of those races? Or would the season have looked a little bit different? Um no, but originally the season was to go to Kona because I had a very successful 2022 and um, at the end of it I got talking to quite a few well a few people and they're like what's next what's next and Kona's got to be on your radar and it wasn't really on my radar but it is a itch I'd like to scratch and something that everybody talks about and something I'd like to do so that was my plan to go to Kona um, but then because of the situation on the island and with Ironman that all changed and um it became Nice, but um, I don't think it would have been possible to race all of those because Nice is a short plane ride for me. Um, I, it's like about six hours of travel to get done with Nice for me, whereas Kona 
is um, probably a day and a half from the UK. It's such a longer flight. And with the time change and the climate change, I think to really perform at Nice, you need to go out a little bit earlier, get over the jet lag and acclimatise to the heat. And uh, people have given me varying different um, amounts of time, but most people settle on about a week. So, um, yeah, it's, I think you need to be there a week. Any, any earlier than that and, or any later than that and I think doing yourself justice or giving yourself the correct preparation to um race that race that race and give it the um oh the, what it deserves the justice it deserves really to um perform properly because the number of people that blow up in these and um have a bad race and put it down to getting there late or the temperature or the climate and um I haven't raced I haven't raced in that many really hot um places, but I did the world championships in Abu Dhabi last year for standard and super sprint. And again, it was the same format as Pontra Vedra, Super Sprint, a couple of days out or the day after landing, then the standard and just the difference of being in that sort of climate for three days, I was much more comfortable and I was able to race harder on the standard distance than I could one um on the super sprint just being there for one day. So no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to put that much racing in. And they have actually released the race calendar for next year. And the World Championships final is in Malaga, which I had qualified for. But I think because it's an Olympic year and um, the um, the Olympics are in Paris, that it sort of has eked out the season for the um, the World Triathlon Series. And is actually Malaga's the week before Kona. So I now have to make a decision whether I'm going to go to. Malaga next year or Kona and that's something I'm still discussing with my family so yes it's not 100% either way yet yeah interesting so the original plan for the season was to qualify for Kona and then go and race Kona and then because of the change from Kona to Nice it sort of made you know what you ended up doing a possibility so can you tell us um, a little bit more about the season planning for this and then when you as part of this answer when you did sort of know you were going to be doing these four races in close proximity was was the goal to to get to come home with four world titles yeah yeah the um as with most triathlons for the championship races <clears throat> you've got to think about them probably the year before um especially with the um the world triathlon stuff with age because british triathlon have quite a strict dedicated um qualification process so it's um they've only just now released their racing schedule for next year so for those that don't know for british triathlon you have there's a um there's three different ways to qualify to represent your country for the age group racing and that's either to pre-qualify from the previous year's event by placing high enough and within a certain number within your country so you've got to be top three brits top 10 um to qualify um become British champion at the same distance um, as the previous year um, or you go to they have generally free qualifying races dotted around the country throughout the year and you have to register your intent to qualify before you attend it and then you have to race and be top four in your age group so that will pick 12 people there's a couple of pre-qualifications and then they have some roll down so it is very, it's quite complex planning to 
work out where you're going to go the following year. And a lot of the championships, they don't even say where they're going to be or what dates they're going to be. So you have to just have a bit of a gamble sometimes. Say, right, I'll do the European Championship or the World Championship, then focus on qualifying for those. So um, the World Triathlon stuff definitely starts a year before. Um, Will be easy then, for you though, won't you now, being a returning champion? Across all distances, yes, it'll have, be easy for you to pre-qualify. I do have all my qualification slots that I want for next year, but I did because you never know what's going to happen in a championship race. I did go to some of the qualification races just to get those. So you don't know if you're going to have a mechanical or puncture or anything like that. And if I, if this stress fracture had been a bit worse and I hadn't finished, that I wouldn't have had my um pre-qualification place then. So I had been to a couple of the qualification races to get my spaces for next year. Um, and then I had picked, I'd gone through my schedule and I had quite a busy schedule, um, this season. And, um, the only Ironman I could really see that fitted in to try and qualify for going to Kona was, um, Ironman Lanzarote, which, um, I thought, um, I've been to Lanzarote a couple of times on holiday. I know how hot it is and how barren. And I thought it'll be quite a difficult place to race. So, um, and probably quite similar to Hawaii. Um, so I picked that as my qualification race and I entered that probably for the tail end of 22 when it was still supposed to be Kona. Um, and then they changed it to Nice, but I'd entered Lanzarote. There's no refund policy. Um, so I I went out to Lanzarote with the aim to qualify him and... Um, yeah, it was, it was the first I've I did an Ironman in two thousand fifteen. Um, I'd only been doing triathlon for a year by then, and as always, I upped the distances very quickly. Did that and realised it was very difficult, and I did an okay time, but it took me a long time to recover from it. Um, and then since then, I haven't gone back to that distance apart from twenty twenty two. I did a race called the Long Course Weekend in Tempe in Wales, which. A lot of people probably recognise when they have a big Ironman there. Um, but the long course weekend is set over three days. So there's a swim on the Friday night, a ride on the Saturday, and a marathon on the Sunday. And um, I'd done I'd done well there. I won the event in 2022 um, overall. And so I knew I could do the distances. I just hadn't put them all together. So I went out to Lanzarote, a little bit unsure how I was going to perform. And... Um, yeah, again, it was really hot. Um, I was a bit worried about running in the heat, but the the swim was fine. I had a good swim, came out second age grouper. Um, some feedback on the course was good. Um, I biked, biked well. I rode up into the tail end of the pro field and I was riding in the tail end of the pro field, which was great. Um, but then about four and a half, five hours into the race, it all started to go wrong. And um, looking back at it, I'd undercooked my nutrition and hydration and I was becoming dehydrated because I don't very often race over the middle distance. So anything over about four hours and this was halfway in and it was starting to bite and I couldn't, my body wouldn't take on any foods. I was struggling to drink and it was just classic signs of dehydration. So, and my power dropped right off. So, um, I started to really struggle on the bike. Um, managed to get around the rest it felt like a very long tail end of the bike um out onto the run started feeling a bit better but still struggling to take on any um gels or 
any substance. But um, yeah, the run, I, I ran okay for about 6 to 7k. And then it just started to bite. And again, dehydration and probably lack of energy then. And um, I just, my body just said, no, you're not running at that pace. And just brought me back down to what I would consider. I do a lot of my training pace at. It's about five minutes per kilometer. And um, it let me run at that. And I, I brought the marathon home in what felt like an eternity limping round. But um, it was still a respectable time. Three hours, 19 or 317 I did the marathon in. And um, yeah, it got me the age week win and uh, my qualification for um, Nice. So, but um, it was strange because I, uh, I hadn't run as hard as I am able to run. It took me a couple of hours to get over the race. And um, but then I felt I felt quite good again. I managed to go out, watch um, some people coming over the finish line in the evening, and go up for a meal and some drinks with some friends afterwards. So um, yeah, which was a completely different story to how I felt after Nice. It just wiped me out completely, and I couldn't eat or drink that evening. Didn't start feeling normal again until the next morning. So yeah, it was um, it was a, it was a tough race, but ironically, off the back of Lanzarote, I had the European Triathlon Championships in Madrid two weeks later, so it was quite a test to go off off an Ironman two weeks later. Going to the it was the European Sprint and Standard Distance Championships, and these were only a day apart. One was Saturday, one was Sunday. So um, I came back, worked for a, um, the week, and then flew out to Madrid with um, some friends. And yeah, it was um, it was yeah, double race, and that ironically the water quality was so poor they ended up turning both of those triathlons into duathlons so again i would i had a little bit of a niggle with my hamstring coming off the back of lanzarote because i don't think my run training is quite up to the marathon um generally because the volume i do um and the it was the standard distance race no sprint distance race on the saturday no, it was no. Sorry, I oh, was right. It was a standard distance race on the Saturday, so it was. Um, they ended up putting it turned into be a twelve k run, followed by a forty k bike, then by a six k run. So it was a lot of run involved there. So my hamstring wasn't too happy, and um, yeah, I managed to get the Adrian win there, and um, I did. Yeah, I had the fastest time overall on the day as well across all age groups. Um. And then the next day was the sprint race, and that I knew I had some good competition in my age group there, but um, it was half the distances and um, a lot shorter, but a very busy course again because they they had to scramble last minute because they they thought the water quality was good enough, but it turned out it wasn't, and it went back to um, a duathlon, and they started the age groups off in two minute intervals, and oh, I was just so busy on the course, but. Um, Managed to get away. Um, it was a sprint um, distance, which is draft legal. So I was on my road bike for that one. And it's not my favourite format, but I managed to pick my way through, um, get out. So I wasn't drafting anybody, towing anybody around in my draft and almost time trial away. And then um, run and held my a lead on the run and um, managed to take the um, age route win there. And... Yeah, so two gold medals from the European Championships, which I was very pleased with. But that was the sort of beginning of the season. Um, then I saw, so I 
sort of done my training to peak for that time period over the winter. That was my main goal focus. Um, then through the summer, there were some qualification races I had that I needed to attend and the British Championships, which was up in Sunderland. Um, a few other bits and pieces, but I let my training drop off a little bit. And then I brought it back up to peak, ready going out to um, Latte in Finland for the Ironman 70.3 Worlds. But yeah, it's, um, I like to... I like to put quite a few races into my calendar and use those as my my speed work and just sharpening things and yeah, so it seems to be um a tactic of mine that works quite well. Yeah, okay. We're definitely gonna go into the training, of course. Um it kind of sounds like that that early part of your season, you know, with having the having Lanzarote and then going into the European champs was kind of, you know, a bit of an idea or where the idea was born to be able to go after all those four world championships, which you've done recently. But, you know, we've already talked about the last sort of four to six weeks and then, you know, zoomed out a little bit to the season and how it all started to come together. Let's zoom out a little bit more. Um, can you tell us briefly about your background in endurance sport? You mentioned you have a background in swimming or you grew up as a swimmer um, and obviously got some quite handy run times but can you just tell us a little bit about how long you've been in in triathlon and your background in endurance sport okay so um yeah my swim is my background as because i swam as a as a junior really from a young age in swim club and came up through the swim club ranks but i i i'm trying to remember i'll ask my mum about this but i think i stopped swimming at around about the age of 11 or 12 when the competitions and the galas got a bit more serious and i really didn't enjoy it i and so I stopped swimming then. So I, I swam all the way up to about the age of 12 um, and stopped swimming completely, really. And then I took it up in, as a, in a master's club when I was 20, 20 or 21. Um, and then I've swum with the master's club ever since, really. So um, yeah, I did take the swimming back up. But um, I had that form from training and doing club from a young age. But when I stopped, swimming i um took up a sport called underwater hockey or octopus and um i started doing that because it was associated with a scuba diving club that um i was a member of through my dad my dad did it so i did it as well so um yeah played this sport called underwater hockey and i played that for years and represented my country been all over the world playing and um yeah made some good friends and had some good times but for those that don't know maybe google underwater hockey and um it's played with wearing masks, snorkel and fins on the bottom of a swimming pool, holding your breath with a small bat, a small lead puck, and there's a trough at each end of the pool. And uh, so it was very good for my endurance and um, yeah, team team sport, which I really enjoyed. But um, I remember going with the GB team to Portsmouth University in 2007 and we had a VO2 max test done. And most of the guys were picking up around about 40 to 45 and they tested me and I came in at 70 and the guy doing the test was like you've definitely got some potential there that is that is a high vo2 max um for a non-professional athlete so um it was always there but I never really took it any further and looking back there was sort of like um these little signs that used to pop up that I might be quite good at endurance sports but um my first triathlon came around in 2014 um i i'd done a couple of swim run events through the master swimming club because the local triathlon club used to run a few aquathlons out the pool and i'd seen them so 
had a go at them, but my swim was always okay. But the the run I used to really struggle with. I used to run about 22, 23 minutes for 5k, and it would be my heart rate would be maxed out, and it would be all that I could give. So I used to come out the front back on the swim and then go backwards. Um, but I used to do them for a bit of fun, really. And my wife's a runner, and we used to do the odd 5k event, and again, 22, 23 minutes, 5k flat out that was all I had um but then in 2014 um a friend of mine had a space at a local triathlon I'd heard about it at the time when to get into a triathlon you had to be fastest finger first and it used to sell out really quickly um he had a space and this was a Friday night and the race was Sunday so so go on then I'll have a go um managed to borrow some kit I bought my tri suit at registration because they had some team kit there and um (laughs) I came 14th and um, thought, I quite enjoy this actually. So um, it sort of grew from there. I looked up a couple more and um, yeah, I'd only started cycling in 2012. I'd always had a bike as a child and done a paper round on it but um, and cycled anywhere I needed to get to really, um, but never had a road bike. And in 2012, off the back of the Olympics and the London Olympics and the Tour de France and Bradley Wiggins winning well, um, I got a road bike of a friend and started doing a bit of cycling then. So, yeah, it all sort of came together around that early teen era. Um, but, yeah, and then I just started doing a few more triathlons and got better and better with practice and it's, um, the training and just kept training my run because um, that was where my weakness was and it's become one of my strengths now. Mm, yeah, interesting. So, yeah, quite humble beginnings, obviously some signs with that VO2 max test and you know, history in the pool uh, across, you know, swimming and then underwater hockey. But, yeah, just sort of putting it all together and it all sort of came together about nine, ten years ago. And I guess the rest is history, as they say. So thanks for the background. So tell us now a little bit, just for context, what's life like away from triathlon? Um, as we record this, it's early on a Monday morning and you, you need to go into work when we finish recording. And you know that the the family will be waking up soon. So, yeah, tell, tell us about... Um, life outside of the sport and outside of training so yeah i've got a um i work for an electrical company so an electrical engineer um so that takes up monday to friday pretty much eight till five sort of time so yeah and um, i'm a director at that company so it, it can be quite involved and full-on sometimes and sometimes you have to work late or start early so you have to be quite flexible to juggle around with that and um also got family with um two young boys they're now eight and eleven so yeah they're both getting into triathlon a little bit also but um yeah um I just find you just need to be able to adapt because with a full time job and um the children and the clubs that they do and moving them around to all the clubs and the homework and everything that goes with family life is um you just need to be adaptable and um if you miss a training session or have to move a training session or change this or change that, it's um just adapt to it. It's um it's not the end of the world. Um it'll come back one missing one training session isn't gonna lose you all your fitness. Um and I think COVID was very good for that. It was um everybody's in such routines before COVID and then COVID came along and it was it just turned routines on their head and the pools were only open a certain amount of time. You could only do this at this time. It's and everybody became a lot more adaptable, I think, and everybody's a lot more adaptable because of that and for that. And um, yeah, it's, it's um, 
as full time, but I do look at my job as um, I'm primarily sat at my desk now with my job, and I see that as my recovery period for my um, my body and my legs, but not my mind. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So definitely uh, living the age group life. So let's let's get into training now. Is is there anything sort of important or overarching when it comes to your approach to training? Obviously, you just mentioned being adaptable. Is there, is there anything else that kind of stands out with with your approach to swim, bike, and run across the week? Um, it being adaptable, but I would say the main thing that is probably really overlooked is consistency. Um, I just try, I try and train before work and after work, um, every day. And that pretty much means I'm training every 12 hours. So, um, especially Monday to Friday, I'll try and train before and after work. Weekends will be different because I will try and do a longer session or I'll do a couple shorter sessions around the kids clubs or something like that. But consistency is the main part. And that's where I think you start to see benefits is when you just consistently keep going at it and don't treat your training as a race. Um, I'm quite good at my racing is left for the race course. When I'm, when I'm training, I'm not trying to race my friends. I'm not, I'm just, training uh, um the pace that i need to train at for that day and um like, like i said because i come into running late i find i do pick up running injuries more than anything else so i don't run a huge amount but i try and split my running up across different days so i generally try and run on a tuesday and thursday morning and then i'll do a faster session at the weekend like um a park run which i don't know have you heard of park runs yeah i believe park run is global now so Saturday yes, mornings, yeah. 5K free timed race, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and I've got one on my doorstep so I can get to that. So I, if if it fits in with what I'm doing, I'll try. I normally do on, on a Saturday morning, I'll do an hour on the turbo and then I'll go down to park run and do um, a hard 5K off of it. So it's just using what's around you to adapt. And yeah, like um, I cycle with the local cycling club. So we do a long ride on a Sunday morning. Um, I'll meet them at nine o'clock and we'll go out for like three to four hours but i always try and make sure i'm back for lunchtime for the family and then we'll do something together in the afternoon um they do a chain gang on a tuesday um which is a really fast hard paced ride and i don't think oh, i find it very difficult to simulate that in training on your own whereas in a group it's it's really good it's really motivating and you just have to do that hard work when it's your turn you have to pull hard and go and um, there's a bit of a race element to it as well, which I find that's probably one of my favourite sessions of the week because it, it's so hard and pushes you so well. But yeah, the, mainly the consistency. If there's a tip anybody can take out of it, it's just always do the training. I don't always feel like waking up at quarter to six, 20 to six in the morning when my alarm goes off and go out for my run or go to the swimming pool and that. But I know it's, if you want to get the results, you need to put the time in. And it's it's not always fun doing the training, and you do question it sometimes. But then when I go to the racing, you it's I enjoy the racing, I enjoy the camaraderie with the people, the people I travel with through the races, and it's the the racing is the reward for the hard work you put in training. Yeah, cool. So you started talking a little bit about that weekly training structure. Let's let's go with the flow with that. Can you tell us about? You know, your hours per week and weekly totals and then you know a little bit of a spread across swim bike and run yeah sure um i would say my average week is probably about 18 hours on on training peaks that's 18 hours of moving time um 
So that include that doesn't include the getting to and from. So I find for time management, it's a lot easier to do things from your doorstep. So a lot of my running is done on my own because I can run from my doorstep. Um, cycling, obviously from the house, but swimming, I use a variety, two pools really, um, that are within oh, a 15, 20 minute drive of me, which is quite handy. And one's on the way to work, so I can go straight to work from it. Um, I also, I live on the coast, so I've got the sea on my doorstep. Um, I can be in the sea within five minutes. So, yeah, all my training base is quite close to me, which makes time management a bit easier. Um, but my my typical week is 18 hours, and I will, um, if I'm doing a build block and I've got the time available, I, I will bring that up to about 22, 24 maybe, if I'm on a, on a build week. Um, and then sometimes if I'm taking it easier, I'm not feeling too well, my HRV's low, um, or that's something I've got better at recently with ages, um, deciding when, no, it's not, I'm not just being lazy, I am actually tired or I'm fatigued or I might be getting ill. And I will say, no, I'll scrap off that training session early and have the extra hour in bed because the extra hour in bed is probably going to benefit me more than pushing for a training session that's just going to hurt me. So um yeah that's the times of my training week so that how that breaks down is um i normally do a double swim down on monday um i swim before work and then i do a a club session after work um and the club session will be quite structured um and it will probably be quite um intense focused because he knows the coach knows that we do our long steady swims um by ourselves in the week so he will put in the shorter speed work up to probably two three hundred distance and um there's quite a good group of us that swim together now we manage to feed off each other and push each other um and then i run on a tuesday morning and i tend to do all my running all my training running uh, um i try to run at five minutes i try and average my run pace at five minutes per kilometer and that for me is a comfortable steady pace and then I live in quite a hilly area down in the southwest of England in Devon, and it's um I'll tr try and alter my runs on the elevation. So quite often my runs will I'll go out for an hour, hour and twenty, and there'll be about six hundred meters of climbing in there. So there'll be quite a lot of climbing. So I get the variety of um the elevation, but I try and keep my my um my run pace steady, and I don't do very much speed work on the running. Um, because I find that's where the injuries get picked up. I, I train my VO2, um, my cardiovascular system more on the bike and in the pool because it's less load-bearing. I think you can push harder there and avoid injury. Um, so most of my running is steady running. And as I mentioned earlier, I try and put a park run or a race in to simulate the race pacing and um, do my speed work that way. Um uh, Tuesday night is normally chain gang with the club, so that's a high intensity cycling session in the summer. Um, Wednesday I swim, so and yeah, so my swim days are Monday, Wednesday, Friday. My run days are Tuesday and Thursday, and then my bikes are moved around those sessions to move um to fill in the gaps. And um, I do a lot of work on the turbo and um, different sessions and um a lot of sweet spot stuff on the turbo so um then weekends try and make up on a saturday i'll 
of the Turbo early and then park run around dropping the um, children to swim in. So they do swim club on a Saturday morning. So I'll move that around there. Um, and then generally we'll do something with the family in the afternoon, which will involve a walk or um, something along those lines. So it's sort of like an active recovery or we might go for a family cycle. Um, Sunday, I do my generally long ride with the club. So I'll go out for a three to four hour ride, normally about 100k to 130, 140k. Um, come back and then again with the family, do something in the afternoon with the family, which will be active recovery in some way. But um, trying to time management with the family, and that is sometimes I will, if we're going out for the day, um, I will ride to where we're going. And I'll ride back from where we're going and try and split my journey up in that way. And like I said, it's just being adaptable. And if we want to do something, we're, I'll try and make it work with going somewhere with the family or doing something. And yeah, just ride to and from or run where we're going or do a run while we're there. And it's like in the summer, we might go to the beach for the day. And the last thing you feel like doing when you've sat on the beach all day and um, been paddleboarding or swimming or uh, is cycling home. But I know it's a. Uh, you're going to benefit from it in the end, and um, once you once you get changed into your kit and then start cycling, it's quite enjoyable. So I do like it. So I'd say fifty percent of my time is spent on the bike, and it's about a twenty five twenty five split run and swim. Yeah, cool. So do you know what the weekly totals are there? So it looks like you're swimming double swim Monday, so four swims in the week with double swim Monday and four then Wednesday, Friday. And then three runs, um, usually Tuesday, Thursday morning, and then maybe something on Saturday morning, like a park run or a race. And then you've got chain gang and the long ride on Tuesday and Sunday, respectively, and then fitting in the, the turbo sessions in around that. So do you know how far you're swimming in a week and running in a week? Yeah, I normally, I for swimming, so over those four sessions, they're normally an hour session each as well. I'll, I'll normally get in three to four sometimes five k sessions so i'm i'm swimming up between 12 and 18 a week i would say um and then the running i'm probably running about 50k a week so not huge mileage but like i say that's where i find i seem to get any injuries so yeah a lot i would say yeah 50k would probably be my maximum it's probably nearer 35 to 40 on my running and then the bike is because a lot of it's on the turbo. It's it's more of a time period on the bike. So um, yeah, I'm I'm making up my time. So if I'm doing three hours, so it's, um, I'm probably doing about eleven or twelve hours on the bike over the over the week. And that's made up a variety of getting outside, some easy rides with friends, some hard rides with the club, um, and some turbo sessions. And like I say the turbo sessions try and I do a lot of sweet spot work, which um I find is um your bread and butter your base work and then i i do go through cycles on the um on the turbo that's where i'll say most of my focus on the blocks are that's where I'll, I'll go from sweet spot i'll go into a bit of a build and then i'll come off of a build off a race and because it's the highest part highest volume of my training block that's where i make the most tweaks and adjustments to go through the training phases and do you do strength work as part of your weekly tr training? No, I don't. Um, it's something I probably should do, um, but it's I already it's already a very busy 
week and um it's something that I've tried to get to the gym and do strength work before and not I don't know if I'm doing it right or wrong or that and I've had I've had um personal trainers or inductions to the gym and they help me out and such but um it hasn't stopped me getting injuries it hasn't really improved my racing so I don't do any strength work no I try and um, do a little bit around the house like I do um one-legged squats when um I've just um sort of like little like physio told me to do them once but like controlled one-legged squats um whilst I'm brushing my teeth every day so little things like that there's a few little things I do um just sort of like body weight balancing stability things that I'll do on a daily basis but I don't do any strength and conditioning work no. and what about brick sessions you mentioned sometimes doing that hard turbo on a Saturday morning into a park run is um when you're doing a key race block do you incorporate you know sort of longer and or harder or more race specific brick runs off the bike or i i try to but they're not a key focus of mine if i can do them i will do them um sometimes if i'm coming into a race i might turbo and then literally put my trainers on and do a quick 5k because it is something that people underestimate they say they're running on jelly legs but after doing a really hard bike and then going straight out for a run, your legs do feel completely different to how they do when they're fresh to run. So I, I'll i probably put maybe two or three of those in a year just to, but I race enough that I get that feeling anyway. But um, yeah, when I say I do the brick session on a Saturday, I'll do the, um, I'll do my turbo and it's probably a 45 minute wait until I do part run because I have to drop one of my, um, that's a max to swim in. And then I'll go take him from swimming. I'll go down to park run do it. So it's a brick session where it's they're tied together, but they're probably separate by forty five minutes. So something I try and incorporate, but I, it's not a key focus of mine now. Okay, and do you have a like a favorite swim session that you can share with um, us? Yeah. Um. Well, there's there's probably two bits really. Um. I do like the club session when I've got other people and. I like I like two hundreds. I if um ten one hundreds off of a one thirty I've all is one of my staples or um ten two hundreds off a three minutes turnaround is good. Um but I I thought I'd work on my strength in the pool over the last eighteen months because there's a friend I swim with and um like a lot of triathletes, he speeds up when he puts a pool boy in and I slow down when I put a pool boy in. I was like, why is that? It's got to be a strength thing. So um I've worked on pulling paddles works for the last 18 months. And um, so a set, a good session of mine that I like to do is um, when I go to the pool, I'll do, um, I'll do a 500 warm up and then I'll do a 400, a 300, a 200 pulling paddles and then take the paddles off, do a hard 100 and that's a kilometer. And I'll repeat that three times. So I'll go through the, the 400, the 300, the 200, and then 100 without pulling paddles. And um yeah, that's probably one of my staples and one of my favourites because um and I increase the speed from as I reduce the distance, I increase the speed as well, and that'll give me a three and a half k set. Yeah, nice. And obviously, you've already talked about your running; it's mostly steady, and then then that park run. But one of your turbo sessions, you've mentioned uh, the sweet spot. Can you give us an example of one of those sessions? Um, I use trainer a lot for my um turbo sessions and have it in erg mode but um i'd say the one i go back to is called carson but it's um it's an hour's block and 
or it's an hour session and it has sweet spot it has two times five minutes two times six minutes two times seven minutes within the hour um, you can extend that out there is an hour 30 version i use and there's a 45 minute version i use on some time constraint but yeah that will be that will have you at somewhere between 88 and 92 93 percent for those blocks and i think there's only about two or three minutes in between each block so it always gives you just enough time to recover and then back into it and i try it all my turbo training is done on the time trial bike so i have my time trial bike on the turbo trainer i try and do all my all my um blocks all the sweets um anything below any blocks below my ftp i do in the aero position anything above I generally do sat up right so throughout the winter period i'll try and do some stuff over ftp and i'll have that sat up and then i'd really try and dial in my time trial position and um coming into race season sort of like february march time and it's surprising when you start going into that time trial position your power drops off for a little while and you really need to push with it and it's, it's quite difficult but within about a two-week period your numbers will come back up and i can get my numbers up almost i can my ft i could do my ftp test in the in the time trial position and get a similar number i think when i'm when i hone that position and train in it yeah that's good and do you have any sort of least favorite sessions but you sort of do them anyway because you think they're really useful or if you had to answer that question of you know what's your least favorite session do you have something that pops to mind running most of my running sessions i don't i'm I'm not a fan of running um but (laughs) then i'm injured at the moment and you realize how much you miss it it, all my running's done first thing in the morning generally and i just like getting out and you do feel good after a run but i just it's not i'm not a fan of running (laughs) but when you go on holidays somewhere it's like we're off to tenerife at the end of the month and i know i'm gonna miss just getting up early and just exploring on foot really by running around these uh, i do enjoy i enjoy that but yeah the, the, as far as all the sports go don't really enjoy the running um any any riding in the rain i'm not a fan of riding in the rain um but um we race in the rain latte was in the rain so i do do it um it sort of living where we i'm looking out the window now it's misty and rainy out there and uh, it's just the nature of what we do if you've got the right kit it's it's okay it's okay mm. but um yeah not so much fun riding a group in the rain either because of the spray you get off the wheels yeah okay so um, um and on the turbo the the one that if i know i've got a turbo session coming and it's um it's over ftp or got sprints involved or under over something that's really going to push me up and i'm working at around about 90 plus percent for the whole duration they they will play on my mind and um I find them challenging, but have a real sense of accomplishment once I've done them. Yeah, and then if you're leading into a race, is there anything you 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 want to be able to tick off, like any go-to sessions? Like you have to do a key brick, yeah. or you have to do a you know a long ride, or a long run, or a swim bike run day, or anything like that. Um. Yeah. So if I've got a race weekend coming up, I don't taper very much for races. Um, but I have learned that you do need to do that more for Ironman, and I do for the Ironman ones. But um, I will try and make sure that I don't run too hard on the on the. So I'll keep my training week very similar, but um, I'll probably dial the turbo training back a little bit, and then um, do my last hardest session on the Tuesday 
and then as I come next to it, um, come up to the race weekend, I'll do some what I call prepping sessions, and there'll be, I'll decrease my load of my training, but I'll keep the intensity there. So there'll be like half an hour, and there'll be um a one minute effort, a two minute effort, then over threshold, and then there'll be a five minute effort at threshold, and that's quite a good prep session. I like to do the day before a race, um. And if if ever I'm going to do a brick session and run off the bike, it will be um in the weeks leading up to a quite an important race. So I'll um I'll try and do it then. But yeah, just for race week, I I don't taper too much. But yeah, it's it's drop the volume down but keep the intensity. So yeah, my 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 training week probably come down to about twelve hour, but the intensity should still be there. Yep, got it. So we've talked about your week now. So now let's talk about like when you've got a race block coming up. So obviously there's been a bit of a theme where you'll do a big block of training and then you often do a lot of races sort of back to back. And if we talk about the most recent block, um, when you got the four world champs, you know, you, you did four races in three different countries across um, a four to six week um, time period. So do you, do you sort of try and dedicate, you know, a 10, 12, 20 week block before you lead into those races? Um, and in this particular case with the block of racing that you just did, did, did anything look different to if it was just a single race you were preparing for? Um, it did. Um, I normally keep, I try and keep my training fairly consistent and then I alter the turbo training to um, sort of like go through the ebbs and flows of training periods. Um but I knew I was going to have a period in the summer from coming off the back of the European Championships to the start of the um, the World Championship season. But I did have, I did a race called Longles weekend in the middle of that. And all, so I did that one, which is an Ironman distance. And the week after I did the British Champs, which for half distance Ironman, up at one of the Outlaw events, Outlaw run a series of... Um, half and full distance of events which are really good in the UK um so that took me up to about the early July 10th of July I think as I coming off the back of that I knew from July to 26th of August which was about five six week period I I had one race which was the British Championships up in Sunderland which was a standard distance race so I I tried to do a taper so I brought my training back a little bit and then I had tried to do a steady build up to that. So it was only about a six week period I had really in the middle. Um, but apart from that, I try and keep my training fairly consistent and um, I will um, yeah, vary the turbos. So the turbos will go through um, you, like um, you, your efforts will go from like a five minute block to a six minute block to a seven minute up to a 20 minute block and over a period of about four to five weeks and then I'll do a, a steady week on the turbo where everything is like recovery zone really 200 watts maximum and I'll do a week of that just to let the body recover and then I'll go back into that other sweet spot block I'm building it up over probably a five to six weeks so they're, they're probably my ones and I'll try and time that in with the the race season but um the one I've just done the four races in four weeks that wasn't really planned because the race in Finland I planned that a couple of years ago. As soon as they announced that the Ironman 70.3 Worlds was going to be in Europe, I thought I'll target that race. And that was probably two, two and a half years ago that I knew about that. Um, and then 
trying to go for Kona after that would have been October, so there would have been a gap between them. But when they announced Nice, it was two weeks later. It sort of threw it back at me that, oh, there's a race there two weeks later. And because I did well in Madrid, I thought I might be able to do Ponce Reventure straight after. So that's why those races were never planned to be there, but they sort of fell to that way. So I adapted my training to suit that. So I built up for... um, Latte, which was the half distance, but in the back of my mind, I was training for a four because I knew that was where the main training was going to be required. Um, the gearing on my bike, I had had altered for Nice because of the um the climbing that was involved. Um, I've been out a lot on my time trial bike, and um, we got quite a big um hill here up onto Dartmoor. It's called, and it's about a thousand twelve hundred feet climb. Um. So I'd ride that on my time trial bike, just sat up in the climbing seat to see what sort of power I could hold to work out the critical power levels and how I'd feel climbing at different speeds on the time trial bike with drinks bottles on it, weighted up. And um, yeah, so it's, I did specify the training for those for those world championships, yes. It's, um, but I probably knew that the training for those two, the half and the full, would carry over and I didn't need to specify for the super sprint or the standard. They I was they were just gonna be what I had left in the tank and how I could get through those. So which race meant more to you? What was what was the priority, I guess, in terms of I guess more of an emotional decision? Like if you could have picked one out of the four to win or do really well at, what uh, what, what took um or maybe rank them one to four? Okay. Um well the super sprint and the standard at the world champs, um, the world triathlon championships, I, I'd already won those in Abu Dhabi the year before, so I was defending those. Um, and I've won the standard distance twice before that as well. So it's, this was the fourth time I'd won it. So I, I'd done that. I'd shown that I could do that. So it wasn't that wasn't so important to me. I thought I would do well there. Um, the super sprint I thought was always up in the air because anything can happen in that shorter period of racing and short course racing um red line and all you need is one person that goes better than you on the day and you're knocked off that top spot so they were probably third and fourth on my list um and number one was probably latte i i i that was the one that was my main focus that was always my main focus and um i put everything into that but i'd raced the um Ironman 70.3 Worlds in 2019 when it was in Nice and I came fifth at that championship and uh, I just know that you get a different type of athlete that races the Ironman races and they they will probably just race the Ironman races, they don't race the shorter stuff as well and um, you get a lot of very good capable, um, strong athletes racing those distances so I knew it would be difficult and I really wasn't expecting the win um, at either the 70.3 or the Worlds. I thought my aim was to try and come top three, really. Um, the podium goes five deep, but I wanted top three. Um, that was my that was my goal at both of those events. But um, I thought I could go well at 70.3, but because I hadn't specifically trained for the Ironman distance, um, I was just trying to wing it. That's probably a a far-fetched way but wing it off of the training I had already done um, 
just to see what happened. And that, that did show up in my run. I was slowing down on the run, the tail end of the run at the end of the race because I just hadn't put that training into that distance or time period. So it, it did show up. But luckily, I was strong enough on the day to hold, hold the win. But yeah, I would put um, Lattes first, then Nice. And just to, just to go to the Ironman branded world championships, I don't think you appreciate the the sort of the hugeness of the event it draws a lot of people in a lot of people see that as the pinnacle of the triathlon sport and um it was it was a huge event with a really big world championship feel so god knows what it would feel like to do that in kona in like um in a much smaller condensed kettle almost yeah cauldron so mm. yeah it'd be quite good but yeah i'd put latte first and then then these but out of all the wins i'd say winning the full distance world championships is probably up there with one of my best wins. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I so say Lati first, then Nice, like as in you probably targeted Lati and that was probably something that, that, that was kind of the one that was planned. And then Nice was obviously supposed to be Kona, but now that you've actually won them both, the experience at Nice is probably trumping the experience at Lati. And then because it you've is, done yes. it before the super sprint and the, and the standard probably lower on the list, but potentially a bit more suited to them, both naturally yes, and I'll, with the way you trained. But from what you've been saying, that's right. Yes, yeah. It's, um, I, I, I thought I would do well at the super sprint and the standard because of my training and the history I have of my results. Um, where I was sort of a little bit more untested on the the middle distance and the, the full distance. So they were to win those was I was I was absolutely made up to win those. Yes, and. For, to win the world championships by such a small margin i did speak to the um the brazilian guy that came second to me at the um award ceremony afterwards i had a good long chat with him and his wife and that uh, really nice guy but he had said i really made his race because he knew he was catching me it made him race a lot harder and a lot stronger and yeah he's um yeah it was um it was a it was good camaraderie Mm, that's good. So with now, you know, we've kind of spoken about that hierarchy. Did that kind of help you prioritize over the training block or did you kind of just stick to your, your standard structure and then a couple of little bits of specificity, like finding that local climb and, you know, climbing it on the time trial bike in preparation for Nice or was there, was there a little bit more detail that went into some of it? No, I, I tried to keep, um, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, mm. it's, I tried to keep my normal training um, exactly as it was, really. Um, like you say, with the with the little bits that I tweaked to, um, just for the for the knee scores because that was playing on my mind. Um, I just tried to um, keep it keep it as simple as I could, really. But yeah, but it was the it was the climate niece that was um, was the main thing I probably changed or I um. I I practiced for because the rest of it was all on rolling ground, and um, yeah, that, no, I tried to keep everything as normal as I could, really. Mm. So you obviously did a lot of things well for the block to be successful. Um, not only did you race fast, but you're also racing fast can, compared to other people. Um, is there anything particular that you did? You feel like you did really, really well, and then off the back of that, is there anything you would change or do differently? next time around if there is a next time uh, um i just i like to really pay attention to the details of the race so um i, I went out to each race a couple of days early i will 
I'll ride bits of the course. I will know where the mount line and this mount line are. I will walk transition over and over and over again. So I know where my kit is. I know where my bags are. Um, memorize it in your head. Um, and just really pay attention to all the details like race morning. Where am I going to go? What I'll write a little list down of when have I got to get and I work back from the start. When have I got to get up? When do I need to have breakfast? When am I going to go and sort the nutrition out on your bike? And it's just all your timing. So there's no surprises come race day. Everything, you've got it in your head, what's happening. And um, where do you want to start in the swim? Do you want to be near the front? Do you want to be near the back? Um, just all those little bits and pieces just to know what you're going to do. So when you're racing, you're just concentrating on racing. And then you can deal if anything adverse comes up when you're racing you can deal with it there and then but um just if you can prepare and get every take care of all the small little bits it just makes the racing day go so much better and yep. yeah it's just just i had my goggles kicked off in the ironman it's just like i stopped i put them back on i carried on it's just like that can panic and that can really fluster some people it's just like just deal with it. My helmet got moved and covered and I forgot my bike or I missed my bike in transition in the super sprint. I just ran back, looked for my number, found my bike and carried on. Yeah, it's just deal with all the little things that come your way as they come your way. Yeah, yeah so the details matter, but at the same time, you've got to be able to go with the flow. I think that's a pretty good trait for, for high performers. Um, and is there anything that you would change or do differently, whether it be the block or you know um, tactics within the race? Or are you kind of pretty happy on reflection? Um, if there's anything that I would change, it would probably be to concentrate a little bit more on the... Um, I would change my blocks to incorporate maybe some longer runs or some longer sessions or um, sort of like a longer ride at the weekend. Not all the time, but maybe get out on the bike for eight hours because the Ironman, is a, for me, was a nine-and-a-half-hour race and... I don't train that long at all. But my longest training sessions are sort of like four hours and that will involve a coffee stop. So it would be to maybe get out on the runs and maybe run for maybe two and a half hours. Um, so put in a couple of two and a half hour runs. So you're running nearer to what you're going to be running at a marathon. And um, yeah, just try and concentrate on the tail end of an Ironman because that's where I that's where I've faded and dropped off a little bit. And I think that's where um, I've got gains that I can make there. Yeah, that's definitely been a theme for you. Obviously, you know, openly admitting that you don't love running. You haven't come from that running background. And then obviously you have to be, you have to tread carefully, carefully pardon the pun, in terms of your running load, your running intensity, um, but also getting enough in to be adequately prepared. It, it serves you well across, you know, super sprint and up to Olympic and, yeah, arguably right through to half marathon off the bike, but you you know you do get found out a little bit in the back end of the marathon, or at least you did in Nice. So, you know, if we see you preparing for for Kona in the future, then we might see you doing a little bit more run volume, but obviously have to build that up carefully so as not to trigger any injuries. That's it. Yeah, it's um, it's like I say the, the running it seems. I think a lot of people it's the running that seems to injure people because of the yeah. um, the load bearing and the impact aspect of it. So it's um, it's finding that balance of how much you can do and how much your body can tolerate. Because um, I find as an endurance athlete, you sometimes have the 
the engine and the seat, the cardiovascular ability to push your legs harder than they're able to take. And it's something I've learned over the years and speaking to people that I've helped. Um, you can, on a bike, you can go out and you can increase your distance quite quickly because you can go out for an hour, then an hour and a half, then two hours and three hours. You can be up to three hours quite quickly. Whereas on running, you have to take that distance up very slowly because your body needs time to absorb that training, absorb that shock and get stronger to deal with them. The constant, um, the impact, and I'm I'm seeing that now from um, with uh, the stress factor I've just picked mm. up. So, yes. Yeah, you definitely would be patient. I think it's it's very valuable to lean in to the swim and the bike to help your overall conditioning, as you mentioned. But then sometimes there can be a mismatch between that musculoskeletal loading and the cardiovascular fitness. So definitely leaning into swim and bike, but for someone in your position and for your case in particular, there's probably going to be some value and some gains to be made by adding some run volume. Uh, maybe that's through frequency initially and then you know, maybe the midweek runs stay as they are and your long run goes becomes a little bit longer, at least in a in an Ironman preparation. Um, but it's it's getting that that mix and that balance right. So um yeah, I think on that note you're talking a... talking about tips. Go on. No, no, go on. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say you you know, throughout the conversation you've sort of um been quite generous with some some tips. I think there's been some time management tips with you know, training from home and and you know, your training facilities being close by, and then integrating into you know family and and other trips, and then you know another theme has been consistency, and then more recently you sort of mentioned about the details around racing and getting the most out of your performance. Um, are there any other tips you think um, you know outside of those, whether they're time management specific or or otherwise, that you think can help age group listeners? Oh, it's difficult. Um, I think I've. I've mentioned most of the things I can think of and um, yeah, there is just about that consistency and just adapting to things that happen around you all the time. Um, but yeah, there's, there's not, not it's, it's like I, I enjoy this sport. Um, I, I like seeing other people enjoy this sport and I'm, it's not, it's not my living. I just do well as an age grouper and um, I don't try and hide anything. So all my sessions are on um, Strava and that's open for people to follow me and see what I'm doing so they can see the consistency that goes into it in the sessions there. Um, I try and put quite a lot of stuff that I'm doing on Instagram. So what I'm saying is I'm not, there's no secret training going on in the background. Everything I do is out there for people to see and what I do. And um, yeah, I, I, I wish more people did the sport and enjoyed it and um, get as much enjoyment out of it as I do. Yeah, I like that. I think the enjoyment factor, you know, plays into the consistency. It's about finding something that's going to work for you. And obviously you've figured that out for you. And typically it's um, before work, after work. And then on the weekends, it's integrating it around your family um, and just trying to keep things simple. Um, and and being adaptable, I think, is is a good one for, for age groupers as well. Now, speaking of Instagram, um, obviously in preparation for for speaking with you, I've had a quick flick through there and mentioned a couple of times being drug tested um does that happen has that happened a lot like i've spoken to other sort of world champions age group world champions and they they get tested after the race um but i think you've been been tested um you know, had drug testers visit uh, your home as well uh, can you elaborate on that a little bit yeah that's right um yes yeah, so i've been drug tested in competition so if you 
<clears throat> they will normally pick they'll they'll pick randomly age group winners across different age groups and I've been picked up I think last year I was tested four times and then this year in that last three week competition I was tested three times twice at Ironman and um once in Pontrevedra but in between then as well um this is the first time that's happened um UK anti doping turned up at my house to um ironically not to test me just to have a chat with me because they had had an anonymous tip off that I was taking testosterone which um is ludicrous but then again some people some people don't believe in the results that you get from the training you put in so um no they wanted to come and just have a chat with me and it was just more making me aware that they're there and they wanted to me to put it out there that they are testing out of competition and it's not just in competition testing but they were they were very friendly they were very nice and i've got nothing to worry about because i've got nothing to hide so yeah they they came to my house and had a chat with me so um yeah but it is i i must admit it does take the shine off the end of a race when you cross the finish line you want to go and have a drink you want you want to go and see friends and have a chat and you get whisked off to anti-doping and um you've got to sit there and wait till you can go toilet and yeah and it takes the shine off a little bit but I, I'm definitely for it and think it should be done more really just to make sure that um, everybody's racing clean and fair. Yeah, definitely. Well said. All right. Well, uh, I think we'll start to wrap things up, but um, obviously you're in the off season now, somewhat enforced. Um, <laughs> what, what's, what's the, what's the plan? Um, you know, obviously rehab and, and, you know, be patient, even more patient than the normal with, with the running. Um, but what's, what's the plan for the next 12 months or so? Oh yeah, so like you say, a bit of um rehab on this um this ankle shin now. Um, off to Tenerife in four weeks' time with the family for uh, just October half term break. So um, I'll probably hire a bike out there and do some gentle cycling. Um, but then I will, I'll go back into my um sort of winter block of just turboing. Um, I'll probably leave off the running heavy as I've been advised to till nearer Christmas time. But then I'll yep. bring that back in and I'll be looking to then do some early season racing, maybe um a half marathon sort of March, April time, um, a couple of early season duathlons. And um then I'm just waiting for the race calendar to be um finalised for next year for where um the championships are gonna be. Um European Triathlon haven't released theirs yet. Um there's the Malaga Nice conflict that I've got to make a decision on with the family. Um, and then I'll probably do some of the outlaw events because, like I say, they're a really good race series in the UK. Um, some of the British championships. And I might even go back to long course weekend. I'll see see how I feel. It's, um, it's a really good weekend up in Tempe, that one. And um, racing over three days brings its own challenges with recovering and getting ready for the days following it. So, yeah, try and keep um, a busy race season going next year. Yeah, well, I was going to say, uh, sounds busy as always. So you'll have to let us know when it's all locked in and uh, keep us up to date with the with the recovery and the rehab. We'll do, yes. All right. Well, Donald, thanks for coming on and sharing. I better let you go so you can get to work. But I definitely appreciate your, your time. This was good fun and very insightful. So cheers. No, thank you for the opportunity, Jamie, and um, spreading the news. Okay. No worries. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Diary of an Age Grouper podcast. 
If you have any questions, feedback, or ideas for future guests, please contact us via the Diary of an Age Group at Instagram page. Alternatively, you can email info at jetcoaching.com.au. Don't forget to like, comment, share, and subscribe. This podcast was born to discuss all things age group triathlon. As an athlete, coach, and fan of the sport, I've always been intrigued with different approaches to training and how to optimize an individual's performance. We will speak to athletes who perform at a high level, as well as those with an interesting story. We will speak to coaches with a vast array of experience and also experts in various fields. We want to sift through what the physiology labs tell us, as well as what we see the pros doing and take the lessons that apply to us. This is the Diary of an Age Grouper.